0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Santa Maria, California. Join our pastors as they share biblical principles of God's transforming grace so that you may learn God's word in order to live God's way. Good morning, Grace. Let's take out our Bibles and let's look at God's word in the book of Philemon. Philemon is next to the book of Hebrews. Sometimes people miss him as they're reading Titus and jump straight to Hebrews. In fact, I had someone say, hey, I didn't even know that book was there. That's okay. It's God's Word. We're going to look at it today. We looked at it last week. We began our new series called Gospel Refreshment. If you were not here, I encourage you to go listen to the message. It was a very weighty message, but we need to be reminded of the truth. And our big idea last week is that Gospel Refreshment happens in our lives when we will remember that we will suffer For Jesus. And we looked at the first six words in verse one last week. We were reminded, and we need to be reminded of this often, that there are people in this world who will hate our guts because we are Christians, but we have to love them to death, and we may actually give our life. So I encourage you to go back and listen to that message. Let's look at God's word, hear the words of the wonderful, gracious God that we serve. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. To Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the life and death and resurrection of your son. It never gets old singing about it. I never get old. It never gets old to me thinking about it. I love it, God. It is my very life. And I pray that it would be the very lifeblood of this church that we would come back often, daily, moment by moment, remembering what you've done for us in your Son and in the giving of your Spirit. And God, we're so dependent upon your Spirit this morning, so pray that he would come and open our eyes to understand what it means to be your people, to be the church. May we see wonderful things out of your Word May your word bring gospel refreshment to us this morning. And may you get great glory, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Relationships can get messy. Some soldiers stationed in Korea during the Korean War hired a local boy to cook and clean for them. But being pranksters, these guys took advantage of the young boy's seeming naivety. They would smear Vaseline On the handles of the stove so that when he got up in the morning to turn on the stove, there would be grease all over his fingers. They would put water buckets up on the door so that when he entered a room, he would get soaked. They would even nail his shoes to the floor at night while he slept. Day after day, this little fellow absorbed the abuse of their practical jokes without a word of complaint. No blame, no self-pity. No temper tantrums. Finally, the men felt guilty about what they'd been doing, so they set the young Korean boy down and said, Look, we know these pranks aren't funny anymore, and we're sorry. We're never going to do this to you again. It seemed too good to be true to the house boy. No more sticky on stove, he asked, and they replied, No. The boy said, No more water on door? Again, the repentant men replied, nope. The boy asked yet again, no more nail shoe to floor? And the suddenly soft-hearted soldiers promised, nope, never again. Okay, the boy said with a big smile, no more spit in soup. (laughs) Relationships can get messy. It may happen during a war. It may happen across cultural barriers, it may happen at work, it may happen in your neighborhood. And if you've been involved in a church for very long, you know that relationships can get messy right here in the church. That's what the book of Philemon is all about. I've titled this series, Gospel Refreshment, but I could have easily subtitled it, What to Do When Relationships Get Messy? Sticky and Downright Ugly. Maybe that will be our unofficial subtitle. We continue our new series, Gospel Refreshment. Today we'll be spending the next few weeks into October, actually, in the book of Philemon. Yes, we will be in Philemon until sometime in October. Uh, it's the shortest of Paul's epistles, only 25 verses, only 335 words in the original Greek. But however... Even though it's this small book, often neglected, it packs a gospel punch. I think grace, I think we are going to be changed dramatically as a result of being exposed to this little book. I'm praying, and after that last worship set, sensing that maybe revival is coming here for us, all because of Philemon. I've titled the series Gospel Refreshment because that's what we will experience each week as we make our way through the book. I get that idea also because Paul actually asks Philemon in verse, 21, verse 20 to refresh his heart. He says, refresh my heart the way you refresh the hearts of the saints, which is what he mentions in verse 7. This book is all about gospel refreshment. This book is all about the power of the gospel to transform God's people for God's glory. Here's a quick rundown and introduction on the book since we didn't look at that last week. Paul is writing to a man by the name of Philemon who was a slave owner of apparently significant financial means. One of his slaves, a man named Onesimus, had run away. Perhaps he had stolen something, some money or property from Philemon, we don't know. But after leaving his master onesimus became a christian he heard the good news of the gospel maybe he heard it through paul we don't know maybe he spent time in prison with paul we don't know all we know is that after he left philemon's house he became a christian and he met paul and ministered to paul while paul was in prison after a while paul says onesimus it's time for you to to return home and mend this relationship with your master philemon paul did this because Onesimus was essentially guilty of two capital crimes, running away and maybe theft. They were capital crimes because they were against the Roman social order of the day. If this type of behavior was tolerated, then it would mean the demise of slavery and the Roman Empire, because the Roman Empire was built upon slavery. The entire social structure would come undone if runaway slaves Went unpunished. So what did they do about it? Rebellious slaves, if not outright killed when they returned, would be branded on their forehead with the letter F for fugitivus, for fugitive. So one risk that Onesimus takes by returning home to his master Philemon was that Philemon might have him killed or he might have him branded. So Paul sends this letter back with Onesimus, writing to Philemon, asking him to forgive and accept Onesimus back. Paul acts as a a mediator here, imploring Philemon to have mercy on Onesimus, who now returns not just as his slave, but now as a brother in Christ. This book, this tiny little book, is all about gospel reconciliation. It's all about gospel transformation. It's all about gospel refreshment. We will see in this book how the gospel transforms human lives and human relationships. Onesimus goes from being useless in Philemon's mind to become useful. Onesimus leaves as a slave or a bondservant, but he would be welcomed back as a brother. The author of the letter is Paul, the recipient is Philemon, and the church that meets in his house. The date is probably 62 A.D., and the setting, as I mentioned, is that Paul is in prison. Our big idea today is this, gospel refreshment happens when we remember that our walk with God is a community Project. You hit the refresh button on the gospel in your life when you remember that your very personal relationship with Jesus is a community, church-wide project. I know we've talked about the, our walk with God being a community project in the book of Philippians when we were there last year, but it bears repeating because we tend to forget this truth, don't we? We think it's just about me and Jesus. We need the church. Look at verses 1 through 2 again. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. Paul is reminding Philemon that his very personal, heartfelt, warm, fuzzy, inducing relationship with Jesus involved the entire church. Philemon could not merely just spend time with Jesus, have a quiet time by reading his Bible and praying, and count that as Christianity. Discipleship involves the whole church body. It's not just Jesus and me. Philemon's issue with his runaway slave Onesimus is a church issue. Let me say that again. Philemon's issue with his runaway slave Onesimus is a church issue. The rift has taken place between two believers because now Onesimus has become a Christian and it involves the entire church. We see that in verse 2 because Paul writes to the church in your house. This letter is for you, Philemon, but it's also for the whole church. The church met in Philemon's house. We gather from this that he must have been very wealthy. They didn't have church buildings back then, so you find the person with the biggest house so that the church can meet there. In addition, I think Philemon is wealthy because he had slaves. A quick note on slaves during this time. Slaves are not the way we think of slaves with our background as, as a country. That is atrocious, the way that people were treated in our country This is not that idea when I say that there were slaves. Slaves in Roman times were similar to being an employee, except your master did own you. There were many abusive masters, but many times a slave would be considered a part of the family. People sometimes would even sell themselves into slavery to be able to provide for their own family. So think maybe Alice from the Brady Bunch. Do you remember the Brady Bunch? She worked for the Brady's. She lived with the Brady's in that little room off the kitchen, remember? She was a part of the family. The difference is that Mike and Carol Brady did not own Alice. But the closeness and the love that she shared with the Brady's was what many slaves in Roman times experienced. There were exceptions to this rule. Some slaves were abused, some masters were abusive to their slaves, but many people benefited from being a slave because they had food and lodging and family. So based on the fact that the church meets in his house and that he had slaves, we can assume that Philemon was very wealthy. Keep in mind, too, that Onesimus, the runaway slave, most likely attended the church services that were at Philemon's house. So the church body knew that Onesimus had run away and they were probably watching Philemon to see how he would respond to this situation. The strained relationship between Philemon and his runaway slave Onesimus affected the whole church body. Think of Philemon's wife, which scholars believe is mentioned in verse 2 when it says, "'And Aphia our sister. "'Poor Aphia lost her dishwasher.'" Now she's got to do the dishes. Now she's got to wash the laundry. Now she's got to clean the toilets. You can bet that she wanted Onesimus to return. But on a serious note, the strained relationship between Philemon and Onesimus was affecting the whole church body. It's very important for us to see that here. Understand this. Your sin affects the whole church body. It's never kept in isolation from others. Oh, sure, you you may be the only person that knows about it, but it will affect others in community around you. Your immediate family, your small group, your church body, your co-workers. God designed you to belong to community. Community. The church body, and in this community, the church body, he wants to transform you and to change you and to make you more like Jesus Christ. The process, the big theological word for the process, is called sanctification, where you are slowly being transformed and conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Sanctification happens in community, Not you sitting on the beach and reading your Bible isolated from other people. I hope you read your Bible, and a a sliver of sanctification happens when you do read your Bible all by yourself, but that's not all of sanctification because it's kind of hard to do the one another's of Scripture when you're by yourself. It's easy to love me, I'm the greatest person in the world. It's hard to love people in community that get on my nerves. Read your Bible, consume it, but live it out in community with others. Because the Bible that you're tempted to read all by yourself continually paints the picture that God has a people, not a person. Sanctification happens in Community. Christianity involves being involved deeply with other Christians, walking together, sharing your struggles, sharing scripture with one another, praying with one another, encouraging one another, challenging one another, and rehearsing the gospel over and over again together. Gospel refreshment happens. When you remember that your walk with God, your very personal, warm, fuzzy, inducing relationship with God is a community, church-wide project. That's why Paul writes to the whole church here. We are all part of one big redemptive story christianity is not just about me christianity is about belonging to and being changed and transformed in the middle of the people of god the very messy sinful downright ugly at times different quirky downright annoying at times people of god also known as the church We actually see a picture of the church here in verses 1 through 2 because you have different people in different places in life and ministry. It says Paul, a prisoner, Timothy, our brother, Philemon, a beloved worker, Aphia, our sister, Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. Here is a picture of the diversity that is to make up the church the way paul describes each person shows us that each person has a role and that there are varying relationships within a church community philemon was rich god graciously gives some people to make a little more people to make a little more money some people make more people he gives them that way we have five kids God graciously gives some people to make a little more money to help the church function. Philemon could have said, this is my house. I worked hard for it. Blood, sweat, and tears got me where I am. But obviously he recognized that God had gifted him and graced him with skills and a good job. So he used what he had in order to benefit the church. We may not all be like Philemon. We may not all grace the cover of Forbes or Time magazine, but God puts each of us where we are with what we do, with what we have in order to refresh the church community. I was part of a church body once, and there was a gentleman in the church who was very wealthy, and he would keep track of the numbers in in, in the bulletin to see if the, the financial numbers were dropping, and he told the staff whenever the money gets low you call me and i'll write a check to bump it up to where it needs to be he was giving away his resources to refresh the church we may not all be philemon's we should all be giving but we have all been created by god to belong to and to refresh the church community we're all different We're all unique. Some of you need this particular gospel refreshment this morning. You ready? You don't have to be like other people. You don't have to be like other people. It's so refreshing when you realize that you do not have to be like everybody else. God made you unique. He gave you gifts, talents, a personality. Gospel refreshment happens when we embrace who we are, made specifically by God with a unique personality, unique giftings, unique callings, unique physical appearance or body. That means the nose that you don't like, God gave you that nose. Or the ear or the toe or the elbows or whatever you don't like about you. God made each one of us unique, and the gospel frees you from comparing yourself to others. Fight the urge to compare. Be yourself. I am thankful that my mom encouraged me to be this way, to be myself. I grew up, I'm an artist, grew up painting and drawing, and I could copy any any artwork. I'd take a picture and draw it, hand them both to her, and say, see, it looks just like it. And she would say, that's... Very nice, son. But then she would discourage me. But She was really encouraging me. She would say, do something original. Don't just copy. And it had an effect on me. Actually backfired on my mom, though, because I did strive to be original. I was determined not to be like anyone else. And so I grew my hair long and wore grungy clothes and expressed myself the way that I do and I still do this. I cannot be put into your pastoral mold. I'm me. I'm gonna dress the way I dress. I'm gonna wear a lot of black. Sorry. If it bothers you that I'm not how you think a pastor should be, how a pastor should look, how a pastor should dress, then take it up with my mom and she's feisty. Actually, she'd probably be on your side now because she's endured this all these years of change the way you look, uh, you know. She'd probably be on your side. Greg is Greg. Pastor James is Pastor James. Everybody here is who they are. Don't compare yourselves to others. Philemon was Philemon. Archippus was Archippus, Onesimus was Onesimus, Paul was Paul. Each were living a gospel-centered life as the person that God had created them to be. The gospel frees you to be who God made you to be. So don't try to be someone else. Listen, if you grasp this truth, it is so freeing. It is so freeing. Listen, I don't think and I don't care what any of you think about me. Now, if I'm being a bad shepherd and a bad caring pastor, I care. If I'm not falling in line with Scripture, I care. Come and challenge me and rebuke me. But if you don't like me with all of my quirkiness and who I am, I sleep at night. It doesn't bother me. The gospel frees you to be who you are called to be by God. He made each one of you unique. And when you understand that, let me tell you, there is so much liberty and freedom. If you're a stay-at-home mom, be a stay-at-home mom. If you can do that and have a popular blog on the internet, great, go for it. But don't compare yourselves to other moms. Oh, she has eight kids and homeschools and wrote a book and has a website and jogs 10 miles every morning and she's involved with her homeschool community that her kids go to and she leads a Bible study and she's still a good mom and wife. Apply that to yourself wherever you are. Don't compare yourselves to others. The gospel frees you to be who God made you to be and it gives him glory. When you're who you are. But as we embrace our uniqueness, we must embrace the uniqueness of others. So don't get refreshed by the gospel this morning. To be free, to be who you are, and then turn around and not let other people be free in the gospel. Here's where it gets hard. We must embrace the diversity in the community of God. This means that we must love and embrace that person with the annoying personality. Let me say that again. We must embrace the diversity in the community of God. This means that we must embrace and love. That person with the annoying personality. I think we all need to stop here and repent. We all know that there are some people in the church that get under our skin. You know there is someone here that drives you bonkers. Admit it. You're thinking of them right now but let this truth humble each one of us just as there is someone who irritates you and gets under your skin and they drive you bonkers and when you see them or hear them, it is like nails on a chalkboard. Are you with me? Just as we all have someone like that in our life, are you ready? Here comes the gospel rebuke. We are that person to someone else. Who, me? Yes, you but everyone loves me. No, they don't. (laughs) They struggle with you the same way that you struggle with that person that bothers you. God put those people in your life to transform you, and he put you in their life to transform them. God, in his great love, did this. So the next time you are seeing, oh, how he loves us, be thinking, he loves me so much that he put the person with the annoying personality in my small group because he wants to change me. That's how the church community works. We are being transformed together by the gospel. We're a family here. The church is messy, it's hard, it gets complicated sometimes, relationships get strained, feelings get hurt, people get on people's nerves, but this is God's way. He put all of us together so that we, with all of our quirkiness, all of our cultural differences, all of our racial differences, all of our preferences for music style, are you listening, Grace? all of our preferences for clothing. He puts this all together with all this diversity so that we might reflect his glory. Ephesians 3.10, one of my favorite verses, speaks of the glorious mess that makes up the church when Jew and Gentile come together under the banner of the gospel. Paul says, so that through the church The manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. God gets glory when we come together with varying roles and relationships, preferences, and we walk together in community. In fact, his wisdom... His manifold wisdom goes on display to the angels and demons in the spiritual realm. That's what Ephesians 3.10 is saying. The manifold wisdom of God that he would put all of us together with all of our differences, all of our quirkiness. Think about that. When we walk together in gospel community, with all of our differences, God gets glories as angels And demons see us living together in unity. They scratch their head and they say, what is this thing called the gospel? How is it that humans, sinful humans, messy humans can come together and walk in community together and there's peace and unity? How glorious the cross is. How infinitely wise is God that he would bring them all together. How infinitely wise God is that he brought all of us together here at Grace. Gospel refreshment happens when you remember that your personal walk with God is a community project. When you remember it's not just Jesus and me. It's Jesus and us. Philemon 1, 1 to 2, reminds us that we are made up of prisoners, brothers, sisters, beloved fellow workers, fellow soldiers, all put together to be the people of God, the church. When we remember that God put all of us together in a church community, it's refreshing. It brings freedom and liberty when you begin to hit the refresh button on the gospel and you realize that God put all of us together right here in Santa Maria, you begin to think this way. Oh, there's that person with the annoying personality. What wisdom God displays in putting us together in a church family. God loves me so much that he put them in my life so that I would learn to die to sin and love them. God wants to change me and he has graciously put Mr. Annoying in my life so that I can learn deep truths about community, my sin, and gospel transformation. Oh, There's that person that I admire. God loves me so much that he put them in my life so that I would thank God for their giftings and their talents, and then I would be reminded that he created me uniquely as well. That's just a snapshot of how the gospel helps us walk together in community. But it takes the power of the gospel, which is what we're going to talk about next week. Forever to live and think and act this way, it takes the power of the gospel. As we rehearse the gospel each day, we will develop more love. For the church community. We will begin to be refreshed by the gospel. So that we can refresh others with it. As we rehearse the gospel daily. Remembering all that God is for us. And his son Jesus. Remembering how we were unlovable. And yet he loved us. How we uh, were sinners. How he forgives us. When we rehearse the gospel daily. We will develop a love. For our brothers and sisters. That we walk with together here. In community we'll actually want to walk with others in community because we will begin to value the church. We will look around and say, all these people are my brothers and sisters in Christ, the ones I like hanging out with and the ones that get on my nerves. But we're all participating in the gospel together, so we're family I love them and I want them to grow spiritually. When we rehearse the gospel daily, when we embrace the deep, deep love of Jesus, we develop a deep, deep love for others, even the ones that bother us. We then begin to want to show mercy. We want to forgive. We want to love. We want to endure because we understand deep, deep down in our hearts how good God has been to us in the gospel. We actually begin to love the church. Imagine that. Christians who love the church. The more we rehearse the gospel, the more we will value the church community. The more we focus on the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, the more we'll realize that Jesus came to rescue his bride. The church will actually want to be around other believers. We'll actually get out of our cliques and maybe even do some crazy gospel-centered thing, such as inviting the person that we can't stand out for lunch. Now, that doesn't mean that if someone invites you to lunch today, that doesn't mean that they're saying, hey, you bother me, but I need to grow spiritually and be transformed, so how about Panera? Doesn't mean that. But why not invite someone out to lunch today that you don't know at all? Or that you sort of know. Why not get out of your click and the people that you run with. Listen, I'm here to push your buttons. I'm here to challenge you. Because I'm free in the gospel and don't care what you think about me. I'm here to challenge you to say, get out of your little clicks And get to know the rest of the body of Christ. You may have something for them. You may be able to refresh someone else's heart. When the gospel gets down into the nooks and crannies of our hearts, we'll start loving the church community that Jesus died for. And we'll start appreciating the role that each of us plays in each other's lives. We'll start opening up and doing life together. Why? Because that's the way God designed it. That's the way it's supposed to be. Gospel refreshment happens when you remember that you're very intimate, Warm, fuzzy, inducing, me and Jesus, isn't he great kind of relationship is a community, church-wide project. See, our tendency is to act like those American soldiers who teased the Korean cook or will retaliate like he did by spitting in one another's soup. The fact of the matter is that Church, life is messy. Relationships here take work. But that should not give us reason to check out or to pull away or not to be involved or to remain in our cliques. Your involvement here is not optional. We need you. I need you. And you need me because I'm probably Mr. Annoying to you. At least maybe with this sermon I am. I'm okay with that. Jesus likes me. I don't need you to like me. Your actions will affect the whole church body. Just as the strained relationship between Philemon and Onesimus affected the entire church, it's true of us as well. Rehearse the gospel and let it transform how you relate to one another. The triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit shapes, molds, And transforms his people as they live in community with one another. It does not happen in isolation. It happens in community. Sticky, messy, downright ugly church community. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you put all of us together. Some of us are quirky and different, and some of us are just plain. Some of us have great gifts, talents, and some of us just feel like we're trying to figure out what you put us on this planet to do. But you have put all of us together, different races, different cultural backgrounds, Father, different ages, different generations with different preferences for clothing and music and food. And we thank you for that. We exalt your manifold wisdom today in bringing everyone here to grace. Now may we not resist your transformation process. May we not resist sanctification. But may we dive in and get to know people. And then may you get great glory as we live together in such a diverse community unified around the gospel. Do it, Lord, here in this church, here in this city, here in our nation, to the nations of the world. Do it, Lord, we pray, that you may get great glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Our hope is that today's message empowers you, by God's grace, to live God's way. For more information, visit us online at gracebath.net.